following message is recorded at City Light Church in Vicksburg, Mississippi. City Light Church exists to shine the light of Christ in our city and world through the transformed lives of His people. For more information on the church and its ministries, please visit www.citylightvicksburg.org. Today's sermon text is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the ear. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is God's word. I want to talk to you a little bit, if I can, um, about, man, about the gifts of the Spirit, all right? So, uh, interesting, uh, interesting dynamic, so to speak, about, about this text is that tongues and prophecy are very prominent in my life. Um, I, I come from a charismatic background, um, grew up in a charismatic church, and so, um, and so tongues, prophecy, those things, the interpretation of tongues um, had, a ve- had a very prominent role and function in, the, in, in, in just the way, uh, the way I saw church growing up and the way I experienced church growing up. And so I, I'll start from the outset by saying um, just because you don't hear uh, much tongue speaking and, 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 and that going forth in this church, it does not necessarily mean um, that we are haters of those that, 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 that feel like God has called them to operate in that particular gifting, okay? Um, there, there's a tendency for people 
um, when they when they kind of see the scriptures one way versus uh, versus another group who sees it another way, there's a tendency for us to slight the other, right? Um, as a matter of fact, there's a current struggle going on in, in Christendom, if you will, American evangelical faith where one side is kind of slandering the other side and the other side is getting mad and, and retaliating and things of that nature. That happens all the time. We tend to infight and pick fights with each other that are actually, uh, pick fights with those that are actually genuine believers in Jesus Christ, all right? And I want, I want to make sure that just because we are having the discussion about tongues, I want to make sure that that doesn't lead us to then say, okay, well, this is the position that we have, or this is the position that Pastor Brian talked about, and if that's the position that Pastor Brian talked about, that means that anybody else who has any other position is not saved. That's not where we're going this morning, all right? That's not where we're going. So I need you to understand that before we even dig into this text. But I do want to dig into this text because the question was asked, right? And you guys have been asking questions, and, and we've been answering questions um, as you have asked them. And some of these questions, had you not asked them, we probably wouldn't answer them for another three years. But since you asked them, we've been trying to answer them as you have asked them. This is one of those questions that we probably would not, we probably would not have answered for another three years. The teddy bears were uh, very attentive, so you didn't have to mess with them. They were very attentive to what was going on in this, uh, this room. But, but, but if, if it had not been asked, we probably would not have delved into it. But since it's been asked, we want to dig into it a little bit. And so this text is really one of the key texts and one of the few texts in which Paul actually deals with the idea of tongues. There's not a whole lot of discussion about tongues. You see it in Acts chapter 2. You see it in Acts chapter 11, I believe, maybe Acts chapter 19, somewhere in there. And then you see it in 1 Corinthians 14. And then it's kind of some smatterings of, the, of that mentioned in other places. But it's not, it's not mentioned in very, uh, very many places throughout Scripture. So Paul treats it extensively. This is the most that we have to, to, to look to and to study from is right here in this chapter, chapter 14. And he begins by saying, pursue love and earnestly desire gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you guys about this idea of love being the fuel behind which all of our gifting should operate, right? We talked about the idea that sometimes we think Gifting is an opportunity to display power when in, when in actuality, gifting is an opportunity to display love. And love should fuel how we use our gifts, whatever those gifts are, whether it be teaching, whether it be preaching, serving, generosity, mercy, healing, miracles, tongues, prophecy, whatever it happens to be, it should always be motivated and driven by love for God and love for neighbor. And so Paul introduces this discussion on tongues and prophecy by saying, pursue love. Before you even start talking about the other stuff, pursue love. A deep, sacrificial, kingdom-minded, God-honoring, me-second, others-first, patient, kind, forgiving love. If you earnestly desire gifts without pursuing love, you become nothing more than a power grabber. And that's not a healthy position in the kingdom of God, especially the kingdom in which, in which the posture has been defined as the last shall be first and the first shall be what? Paul understands that we can aspire to, to exercise gifting and not be motivated by love. And so he admonishes us by putting love at the top of the rank, right? 
because he knows how easy it is for us to show off our talent, show off our spiritual gift, and have not a drop of love in doing so. Does that make sense? You got some people that God is gifted to sing, and they just going to sing, right? Has nothing to do with love. Love of self sometimes, right? You got some people that are, that are genero- generous uh, in, in ways that are beyond understanding, and you say, and people say, well, man, they're so loving, except when you dig into it, you realize that, that they have to make sure that everybody knows that they're generous. And so really, it's about them. It's not about you, right? And so there are opportunities for us to exercise gifting and not have love at the forefront. Paul says that has, that has to change. That has to be at the forefront, love. It is for this reason that Paul caveats his call to the church to desire spiritual gifts with these words, especially that you may prophesy. And so love is the driving element behind spiritual gifts, and it's why Paul introduces his discussion with spiritual gifts, with the, uh, or his discussion into spiritual gifts with the caveat, especially that you prophesy. Now, why is that? Why does it say especially that you may prophesy? Well, because there is an opportunity for you, if you're talking about rank, ranking tongues and prophecy, prophecy can be for the good of the body immediately. Tongues has to have an accompanying gift with it, which is interpretation. And so Paul starts this discussion by showing pursue prophecy. In other words, pursue to speak God's words or pursue to speak the heart of God to people in a way that, that, that inject or that hits their heart. Pursue to speak the heart of God in a way that hits the heart of people. Does that make sense? So that can, that can manifest itself in what, what I'm doing right now, for example. Me walking through a scripture, walking through text, and then there are some, there are some occasions where, where I might be preaching to a room of 50, but every person in the room or, or some people in the room will come to me after service and say, man, it sounded like you were preaching directly to me. So you were speaking the heart of God, but you were speaking the heart of God in a way that hit the heart of man. Does that make sense? So Paul says, pursue that first because that is, and we'll get into that. I want to get ahead of myself. But understand that what's happening in Corinth, the setting of Corinth, and we've talked about this, Corinth is like a gathering place for all sorts of nationalities, all sorts of ethnicities, all sorts of different people, different backgrounds, different cultures, and different languages. And Corinth is a place that that is accustomed to idolatry. And so you have all these different languages, ethnicities, and and backgrounds. Then you have idolatry. And so there is some some mingling of of idolatrous worship practices along with all of these different cultures and languages. And so Corinth is a hotbed for chaos in the way the gifts manifest themselves in the church. It's a hotbed for it. And so Paul is beginning, is going to lay out how these gifts should look in the church. He starts in verse 2, he says, For one, for, for one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men but to God. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy for the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. Because the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. Pursue Love, desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy because the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. You see, you hear that order. Now, you need to understand that order, okay? 
You need to understand that order. The order that I just laid out, you need to understand. You need to hear it, okay? He continues on and he says, For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and their encouragement and their consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So he who speaks is not understood by anyone if he speaks in tongues but God. Versus those that prophesy, those that share the heart of God in a way that hits the heart of men, allows one to speak to all, thereby leading to everyone's upbuilding and encouragement and comfort. He who speaks in an unknown tongue is only edifying and serving himself. The one who is prophesying is building up the entire church. Now, if you think Paul is highlighting speaking out publicly in tongues as a good thing, then you've missed the order that I just articulated to you. Pursue love. Desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy because... He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks only to God, not to man. He who speaks in an unknown tongue only edifies himself. He does not edify the church. In other words, for Paul, he is articulating why prophecy is greater, not why it's less than tongues. That's an important distinction because for years, those few words in that text for me was articulated and taught in such a way where it seemed like, okay, well, I'm speaking to God. And I'm edifying myself. So that, that's good for Paul, right? And Paul is saying, no. No. Actually, that's not a good thing that that's the motivation. The motivation should be to edify all of us. And the motivation should be not just to speak to God who understands you in no matter what language you speak, but the motivation should be to speak to all of us what God has said. Very important distinction. As a matter of fact, understand what's happening in Corinth. Divisions are rampant in Corinth right now. Chapter 3. In chapter 3, there's a group, there's the, some, some, of the, uh, some of the Corinthians are saying, hey, I follow this guy, I follow Paul. Another group is saying, I follow Apollos. Another group is saying, I follow the apostle Peter. He walked closer with Jesus than all of these guys. Then another, then another group is saying, man, I don't follow anybody. As long as I got King Jesus, I don't need anybody else, right? Now, 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 they're saying that as a means of name dropping and associating themselves with higher names to make themselves look good. And so Paul calls them out on that and says, listen, this division is not healthy for you. That some of you guys are saying you follow me. Some of you guys are saying you follow this other guy. Some of you guys are taking pride in following none of us. He says all of us are just workers in the kingdom. One plants, one waters. Ultimately, God gives increase. You tracking with that? When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you find that, that in, in the most unifying, um, unifying event and unifying moment in Christian, in Christian practice, the Lord's Supper, they're using it as a means of division through selfish acts. 
what you have is that the Lord's Supper is, of course, bread and wine. You bring the bread and you bring the wine and you have dinner together. And, you, and during that dinner, you, rep, you, you speak to or, or you remember the Lord's sacrifice for you. You remember the Lord's death and, and, and what that death means for your salvation, what that death means for your eternity. You remember that moment, the fact that he spilled his blood so that you wouldn't have to spill yours in eternal fire and damnation. And so it's, it's supposed to be a moment of celebration, a moment that we unite around, the Bible, around Jesus Christ, and yet what was happening was some people were coming in early and eating up all the food and drinking up all the wine. So by the time everybody else got there, you had people full and drunk. <laughs> and, so Paul, and so Paul is saying, you know, this isn't how things are supposed to be. And so this is a product of the Corinthian church, selfish ambition, selfish pursuit that leads to divisions, even in their gifting and how they use their gifting. And so Paul is admonishing the church right now, saying, listen, there you go again. Some of y'all got some languages that, you, that, that the Spirit has taught you, and now you're up and shouting them around all over the place, and nobody can understand you. Because you're excited to let people know that you got these languages. Now, some people don't operate with that heart, but this is what Corinth is talking about. Some people operate with the heart of just simple misunderstanding about the gifts. But Corinth was operating with selfish motivations. And Paul highlights that, speaks to that. Are you tracking with this? And so... It's, it's as we get into the discussion about gifts, understand that, that, that the last thing Paul wants is them to be thinking more about themselves. This isn't a way to commend them in their use of the gifts. This is a way to highlight their selfish demonstration of the gifts. And it's for this reason that we read in verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Listen, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Because when someone interprets the words, then that tongues becomes prophecy. The one who is pursuing the heart of God to speak into the hearts of the people in a manner that they can clearly understand. That's what the tongues becomes when interpretation happens. Are you tracking with that? Now, verse 6 says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or some knowledge or some prophecy or some teaching? If I don't bring you what thus says the Lord, there is no benefit to you. If I just walk in a room and erupt in tongue speaking, that benefits nobody in this room. If I erupt, if I just walk into this room and erupt in another language that none of you in this room understand, that benefits no one in this room. You need to hear about God's knowledge. You need to hear about God's heart. You need to hear about God's revelation through Scripture. And then he begins to articulate that through these metaphors. He begins to share these reasons why that matters through these few metaphors. The first metaphor that he uses is instruments. Think about band instruments. My wife used to play saxophone and trumpet and cornet. We ain't got all day. We ain't got all day. <laughs> no, I'll just play. Just play. I'll just play. No, she, was, she, she, she loved the band. She loves instruments. And so these things matter to her. The, the, and, so she, and so Candy understands this ideal of every instrument has its own unique sound. But if there was no distinction and all of it, all of it was just kind of this indistinguishable, just same note we wouldn't be able to define music, right? 
Paul says, if even lifeless instruments such as a flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? How will anyone know what is played? When you hear da 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 what do you think? There's distinction that communicates something to you. It means something to you. Does that make sense? When you hear Y'all know what it is. Y'all just don't want to say it. It's okay. It's okay. That's right. That's right. But it's distinct sounds that mean something to you. And Paul is saying when you walk into a room and you just start speaking a language that no one understands, it's just a, it's just a, a same note. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't speak anything to anybody in the room. It doesn't mean anything to anybody in the room. And that's not helpful for the church. He says, if a bugle gives an indistinct sound, who gets ready for battle? So not only is there not understanding with, 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 without, without common language, but there's not preparation without common language either. He says, there's a, you know, if you, if you take a bugle, right, and, there, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you guys, you probably, everybody in this room have, has heard those two distinct, you know, uh, war trumpet sounds, the bum 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 right? And typically people think about, okay, that means things, it's time to get up, time to get going, right? And then, and then you've heard the other sound, that means it's, you know, there's someone that we're celebrating the memory of, possibly a fallen soldier. What if you flip that and you play that one in, in the morning? Somebody's going to be like, man, somebody died? What happened? You know, what, what's going on? There's no proper preparation without clear understanding in terms of what we're hearing. Are you tracking with that? A lack of clarity in our communication leads to a lack of spiritual preparation for the church, a lack of development in the church. It's why sometimes the spirit can seem like it's moving so mightily and yet nothing's changing in us. Are you tracking? Because the gifts aren't being opera, aren't operating in a way that leads to edification of the whole, the gifts aren't operating in a way that leads to understanding for all. They're just in operation, sporadically, individually, chaotically. Paul moves from instruments to real human languages in verse 10 where he says, there are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning, but if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and a speaker a foreigner to me. Paul's point is that no language exists without bona fide meaning. It doesn't matter how many of those languages exist in the world, there are patterns and there are codes to those languages that if you unlock, all of a sudden you know the meaning to them. And there is only one meaning. There isn't this thing means this thing and this thing means something radically on the other side of the spectrum as well. The power of language is first established in its ability to articulate something that another can hear and understand. That's what the power of language is in, even the power of tongues. 
which is spiritual, the, the spiritual ability to, to communicate language. The power is in the ability for the listener to hear and understand. One of the grave errors, uh, errors that we make in the contemporary church with the gift of tongues is that we treat it as if we can say the same thing but come away with ten different meanings. Paul is saying no languages have ten different meanings for the same phrase. You tracking with that? And what I mean by that is that sometimes you go to church, you know, and there, and there might be someone who's, who, who makes an utterance in tongues, and this utterance in tongues might sound the same as the utterance in tongues that they made last week. But then when someone says, hey, give me an interpretation, we need an interpretation, the interpretation is radically different from the one last week. They might use the same language, same words, same, same utterances, but the interpretation comes away entirely different. And Paul is saying language means something. There was one theologian who tells a story about one of his friends going into a church and um, during, during a very um, um, an active and lively church worship service um, where, that, where people were known to speak publicly in tongues, um, this, this gentleman decided to begin to speak in an, in an unknown language to the masses that were gathered. He spent probably five, ten minutes speaking. And then after he finished speaking, someone... Uh, the, the leadership of the church asked for an interpretation, and someone stood and said, I, heard, I hear the voice of the Lord saying this, and they gave an interpretation. And once they finished the interpretation, the gentleman then said that, um, that's not what I said. I was actually quoting the opening, uh, opening, di- or the opening, um, opening words of the Gospel of John in Greek. And people just kind of stood stunned and some with their shame face because they had spoken on behalf of God that which God had not said. Now, was that petty? <laughs> you betcha, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> super, super petty, right? But what was the point? What was the point? The point was that tongues aren't just random language that you can assign whatever meaning you want to to them. That the gifting, when it's operating in its legit form, is speaking something about the wonders of God. One of my dear friends, a missionary over in Italy, actually, um, when he moved to Italy, and he said probably within two weeks he was able to understand the, English lang- uh, the, the, um, the Italian language. Within a month he was able to speak it fluently. That's what you call a move of God. A man who had never spoken Italian for the sake of mission and for the, and for the advancement of the kingdom was able to hear those words as if they were his own and able to speak those words shortly thereafter as if he had spoken them all his life. That's what you call a move of God. Tongues are given to us supernaturally to establish common understanding. And so when the gifts of tongues first appeared at Pentecost, they didn't appear merely to just be some sort of exclusive gift to kind of separate the haves and the have-nots. On the contrary, it was that gift that brought people together who were once apart. It didn't separate them, it brought them together. Remember what happens on, in Acts chapter 2 when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit first, uh, first arrives on the scene and begins to establish the early church. 
and empower the early church, the Bible says that tongues began to fall on, the, that the Holy Spirit fell on, fell on those that were gathered in the upper room, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability and speech to do so. And as they did it, people from other countries began to hear, other nations began to hear their language from these people from Galilee. And they began to say, what does this mean? How is it that these people are sharing about Jesus and sharing about God through my language? Because I know these people aren't from my territory. To the people who carried the understanding of those languages being spoken by the disciples that day, the gift was used to draw them to God. To those without understanding, what did it appear to them to be? They said, these people must be drunk. You see, you notice the difference? with understanding and without understanding. And so if you just go out and you just speak tongues in public settings and there is no interpretation, there is no clarity, there is no understanding, don't expect for people to say, oh, this must be God at work. No, people are going to say what they said in Acts chapter 2. These people are crazy. Are you tracking with that? That's why it matters. So in light of Paul's words, how should we proceed? He says in verse 12, so with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Paul says it is good that you want to see the Spirit of God in a visual and tangible operation, and it's good that you want to see the Spirit of God moving prominently in and throughout the church. However, pursue it in such a way that leads to what? Building up the church, the common good. Serving everyone in the building. Don't allow your gift to simply terminate on you. That gets right back to what we saw at the very beginning of this chapter, right? It's what Paul said in the beginning. It's what Paul said in chapter five, I mean, in verse five, when he said, pursue prophecy over tongues because the one who prophesies is greater because he builds the church up. It gets to the heart of what Paul is saying in verse 18 and verse 19. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Common understanding, encouragement, edification, and growth is at the heart of why God by his spirit gives gifts, even the gift of tongues. And let me share this, even the gift of teaching. What I mean by that is this, we can go and we can start getting brushed up on some good, solid uh, biblical understanding of things, and then we can run out and start throwing terms and throwing things over people's head left and right and feel like, well, it's not my fault they don't get it. Well, you know what? It kind of is, right? Because now, now, now you're not understanding why God has gifted you to understand what you understand. He's gifted you to understand what you understand so that you can articulate it for the common good and for the common understanding. Does that make sense? And so even as we learn big words and even as we learn technical terms in Scripture, we still should labor to make sure that everybody in the room understands what's being said. Even if we just have to define the term. Because the point is common understanding for mutual edification. Simplify your language. Define your terms. Don't obstruct the gospel. Make it easier to ingest and and digest. So how does Paul resolve this issue? Verse 13, therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. 
For if I interpret in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my, my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul's answer is to only use the gifting of language when the gifting of interpretation is present. He calls this an alignment of my spirit and my mind. If my gifting isn't used with the goal to bring a deeper and clearer understanding of the gospel of Christ and his will for the church to the church, it is most likely only going to lead to chaos. Are you tracking with that? This is a call to operate in the spirit with understanding um, and with, with understanding for the purposes of mutual growth and mutual edification. Your gifting should make the pathway clear for the, per, uh, for the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Everything that we do, every gift that we operate in should make the pathway clear for people to understand and see Jesus better. Does that make sense? It ain't just doing stuff, right? Just because I feel like doing it. I would love to prophesy so I can just be able to tell people what's going on in their heart. And no, no, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to make the pathway clear for Jesus to be grasped, for him to be attained. That's what you see in Acts chapter 2 as we close. When you look at Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the church on display, as we've already discussed. And what is the prevailing sign? The prevailing sign is the gift of language, the gift of tongues. But to what end? To what purpose? Just a good opportunity to showboat? Man, look at those Galileans speaking all these different languages. This is amazing. No, no, no. That's not what it was. Did you, if you go back to the text and you read Acts chapter 2, what you hear are these words all these different people from all these different places, Egypt and, and, and Parthian, uh, 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 Parthians and, 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 and folks from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, all these people, Pamphylia, Libya, Cyrene, even people from Rome, people that were Jews, people that were proselytes, people that were non-Jews, we hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. So the tongue was used to make the pathway clear for Jesus to be exalted. That's what the gift was used for. Those people, they heard that and they said, what does this mean? You know what it means? It means that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and that he has died on a cross for sinners, and that he resurrected with all power in his hand, and that he is reconciling the world to himself and to one another as one new man. That's what that means. That's what your gift, when it's on display, is supposed to be leading people to. 
What's interesting is that the way that God, God divided the nations was through language, right? Genesis chapter 11, when we see the Tower of Babylon, they were trying to make this big building reach the sky, reach the heavens, so they can make their names great. And, G, and God said, ah, nah, no thank you. We're, we, I don't want that. So everybody different languages, all right? And then everybody started getting confused, and next thing you know, they can't finish the project, and, and, and they all scatter. But then what happens in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2, instead of everybody no longer being able to understand each other, he gives people the spirit to understand. All these different cultures, all these different nations, all these different people from different places, now by the spirit of God have the ability to understand one another. Why? So that the gospel might be articulated and that Christ might be exalted. And what happens, tongues becomes the means by which these nations are unified. Tongues is a reflection of God's heart for the nations. Tongues is a reflection that God is saving a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue to be a part of one body. As those tongues were being interpreted by the hearers, what was being heard? What was being heard was the gospel. Same thing that you're hearing on this morning. The same thing that you should be using your gift to lead people and point people to. So whether you sing, whether you teach, whether you have a gift of language, whether you have a gift of interpretation, whether you have a gift of generosity, mercy, whatever gift God has birthed in you, use it for the glory of God and for the good of his people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you and thank you and give you all the praise and glory and honor again for your goodness towards us. We ask and we pray that you would continue, Lord God, to help us use that which you've given us, whether physical, natural, Lord God, whether spiritual, spirit-empowered, spirit-enabled, help us use it, Lord God, to advance your kingdom, to to articulate your gospel, Lord God, and to show forth the will of God to the people that you have called. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by the family and friends of City Light Church. For church worship times, directions, support opportunities, or other ministry information, please visit www.citylightvicksburg.org.